Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Drunken Mascot Sports Raptors Pod. So my name is Pete, aka Pete of the Not So North, here in beautiful, depressing, snowpocalyptic kind of asshole upstate New York. Uh, you can also check out the blog at drunkenmascot.com. We do a lot of Raptors topics in the blog also, uh, but a lot of more diverse topics about the NFL, NBA, sporting world in general. But on this pod, it's going to be 96% Raptors talk. It's, you know, 96% of the time we talk Raptors every time. So a little bit of background on me. Uh, like I said, I'm from upstate New York, Albany, New York to be exact. Um, yeah, I'm sorry too, but <laughs> it's a cool little city. Hit me up if you're ever in the area. I'll show you the buffalo farm we got, the dairy farm. We got an entire block of condemned buildings. All kinds of good stuff. We do have a ton of booze here, though. We got breweries, distilleries, uh, nine-pin ciders based here. If there's one thing we're good at in Smallbany, it is drinking, binge drinking to be exact. Hence how I proclaim myself Mr. Drunken Mascot. So how the hell did a guy from scenic upstate New York become a Raptors fan? So here in Albany, we don't really have high-level pro sports uh, per se. Shout out to the Arena League football team, the Albany Empire. We have an unaffiliated minor league baseball team, the Tri-City Valley Cats. And we have a semi-pro basketball team here, the Albany Patroons, that seems to fold and then start up again every few years. But we did have George Carl coached here back in the day, Phil Jackson back in the day. So we got pretty cool history here back in the 70s, 80s. Uh, but anyway, that's about as good as it gets. So with no pro sports teams, um, you know, growing up, I wasn't geographically tied to any pro teams. Uh, when the Raptors came on the scene in 95, I was eight years old. At that point, I was pretty obsessed with dinosaurs like most kids. So uh, geographically speaking, the crow flies. Uh, the Raptors aren't a whole lot farther away from Albany than the Knicks, the Celtics, or any other Northeast teams. So all those factors combined, it was just kind of a natural fit. Uh, like I said, most of all, dinosaurs were just badass when you're eight years old. So perfect timing for that team to jump out of nowhere and be founded. Um, so my first basketball idols were Damon Stoudemire, Doug Christie, you know, the forgotten legend, our first ever starting center. Don't even know how to pronounce his name, uh, Zahn Tabak. I've never heard it pronounced because I didn't have TV back then, but I did have a bunch of his trading cards. So <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, throw it down in the comments. But then, of course, you know, Vince Carter came through, changed everything. Um, even after the drama, Vince Carter's my all-time favorite player. Kyle Lowry's, you know, quickly threatening to booty bump him off that throne. Um, but for real, I'm an OG Raptors fan. I'm an OG Anunnabi fan also, uh, a little bit of both. So, so yeah, if you like what you hear here, like I said, do me a favor. Check out the blog, drunkenmascot.com. But, yeah, it's enough about me. We all came here to talk Raptors, so let's talk Raptors. So we got two big wins back-to-back. -back. Norm Powell ate the Bucks alive last night. 29 points, four boards, three assists, played lockdown defense, helped the Raptors rack up 15 forced turnovers on the Bucks. You gotta love it. Small ball, great success, even without our fearless leader, K. Lau. Went with Van Vliet, Powell, Bembry, OG, Siakam as a small ball starting five. Absolutely kicked ass. And hey, even Aaron Baines looked a little bit less useless coming off the bench than he does in the starting five. So, all good things. You know, a couple takeaways from the game. We got uh, definitely Norm. Norm needs to start. Keep him in the freaking starting lineup. He's literally a completely different player when he starts. He's a borderline all-star player when he starts. You know, taking a look at his 36, uh, you know, per 36-minute stats, he's putting up 21.2 points, four boards, a couple dimes, 1.5 steals a game. So over 21 a game, if you you know extrapolate those stats, he's putting up to 36 minutes. That's solid. You know, that's solid starting two or three positional numbers. You know, he's better. 
he's better when he's starting. The Raptors are better when he's starting. So let's keep it rolling with Storm and Norman. He's got to stay in the starting lineup. we got to find a way to make that happen. On a similar note, obviously, you know, big man Aaron Baines, he's got to go to the bench. Personally, I want to see the small ball approach stick around. It's fun to watch. They win that way. Uh, probably, you know, the go-to lineup when Lowry's back is Lowry, Van Vliet, Powell, Anunnabi, Sayakam as your starting five. If not, I think Boucher, he's absolutely earned his right to start over Baines. So at the very least, let's get Baines the heck out of there and get Boucher in that starting lineup. You know, by the way, let's talk about Boucher a little bit. You know, taking a look at his per 36-minute stats, I know they're not the best metric to really extrapolate because you're not you're not bringing you know the added fatigue into it you know any of those factors but it's kind of just a fun way to take a look at what a player would look like if they were in that starting five so per 36 minutes chris boucher is averaging 20.7 points 10.4 boards and 3.1 blocks a game that is some badass numbers right there that's a legitimate starter that's borderline all-star numbers for a big man so if we're not going to stick with that small ball approach if we're going to want a big man if you can really call you know boucher a big man he's built like a I don't even know. He's just built like a bundle of twigs, but <laughs> he's still technically a big man. He's got to start over Baines. Come on. Um, like I said, I know those thir- per 36-minute stats aren't a true representation of what he'd look like with that additional playing time, but you compare that to 10.8 points, you know, barely 10 boards, and less than a block per 36 minutes for Aaron Baines. And obviously, Chris Boucher is the uh, better alternative if you're going to be sticking with a true starting center. Um, I know that's kind of pushing it defining Chris Boucher as a true starting center but he is a big man and if you're you know he's the closest thing we have to a true starting center at this point so the last and the biggest and really the most controversial takeaway I really want to talk about here is what I like to call the uh, Kyle Lowry paradox so obviously Kyle Lowry is you know unquestionably the leader and the best player on the team has been for a while you know aside from when we had Kawhi for that brief stretch Um, and yet crazy stat going back to 2019 the Raptors are pretty astonishing 15 and 0 without Kyle Lowry without their all-star starting point guard 15 and 0 going back to 2019 so now as I said Lowry's one of my top two favorite players of all time this is not a fun topic for me however we really have to talk about some facts here so I mean the fact that two of the Raptors three best players right now are Lowry and Van Vliet two six foot flat natural starting point guards two of our three top players I love both players. My first choice is to keep rolling with it as a biased, emotional Raptors fan. Um, But honestly, that's a pretty terribly unbalanced basis to build your team from. Um, Having Lowry out of the lineup, it also typically slides Norm Powell into the starting five, which like we talked about, he's a completely different player. He's exponentially better when he's coming with that starting lineup to start the game. It also creates a far more balanced team on both ends of the floor when Lowry's not around. Powell is a strong six foot four guy. He can play the two or the three. He's a solid defender, even against bigger players. And we get to slide Fred into that one spot, which is his natural role. He's clearly the point guard of the future for this squad. So with Lowry out, it gives us a glimpse of what our future kind of long-term potential with this young core is. And hell, at 15-0, that future is freaking bright, people. So having Lowry out of the lineup, it also gets more playing time for some of the other young potential key pieces on the squad. Obviously, Malachi Flynn, talented first-round draft pick this year, who, behind Lowry and Van Vliet, unfortunately, he's ended up getting relegated to the G League. He did get called up last night. A little side note, that's absolutely badass. He played a full G League game, then hopped on a flight and made it for the Raptors game, too, within the same day. He only played a few minutes, but still, shout-out to Malachi Flynn. That is a pretty amazing accomplishment and pretty badass move on his part. 
Uh, but anyway, with Lowry out, he gets those much-needed reps as he moves into his natural role, which is really going to be the future backup point guard to Fred Van Vliet. You know, aside from that, it gets the guys like Bembry, Watanabe. Uh, Bembry got the start last night, and even you know, fan favorite Matty Ice Thomas gets some reps in there. So overall, you know, having Lowry out of the lineup, obviously it has some advantages. It spreads out the playing time, really balances out the lineup. It kind of makes things make a little bit more sense. So some benefits there. You know, from there, where do we go with that, though? Where do we go with that information? We all know Kyle Lowry. He's on an expiring contract. He got that extension, so he's making a little bit over $30 million for this season, and then that's it. Um, so with all the factors we just talked about, does it honestly make any strategic sense to bring him back to this squad? Strategy aside, obviously, he's probably the greatest Raptor of all time. You know, as a Raptors fan, I would love to see him retire a Raptor. Uh, however, he's only 34 years old. He's still playing at a borderline all-star level, so he sure as hell isn't hanging up the high tops after this season. So, you know, what do we do? Do we re-sign him for another year or two, purely out of respect? Because, again, strategically, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to keep him as our highest-paid best player. Um, do we keep rolling with this dual point guard approach for the sake of keeping our legend in-house? Or do we make one of the biggest trades in franchise history and make things interesting? And, you know, move on from our legendary point guard. So, like I said, personally, on a completely biased emotional level, I would love to see it play out like a fairy tale. You know, Lowry sticks around. The Raptors somehow run it back for another championship run with Lowry as their point guard. Um, however, if I take a step back and try to put on those unbiased non-fan goggles for this one, I have to say that making a move makes a ton of sense here. Um, you know, we've heard rumors already that the Clippers are interested, which obviously that'd be pretty exciting for non-Raptors fans to see Lowry teamed back up with Leonard again in Southern California. Um, for Raptors fans, that would be absolutely excruciating because <laughs> you pretty much see three-fifths of our championship starting lineup back together in Southern California. So that's not going to be my pick. Plus, I just don't think the Clippers really have anything to offer that would greatly benefit the Raptors. Um, the Nuggets also in the conversation a little bit. And then there's the Miami Heat, which for me is the most interesting option here. Um, I know there's a couple other teams that have been brought up a little bit that obviously having an NBA champion veteran point guard as productive as Lowry is would be beneficial. Um, but for me, I think the Heat really make things the most interesting. So digging into that a little more, this is probably where I'm going to lose some of you. Uh, this is <laughs> where things get a little bit controversial, and I start using my imagination here. Um, I talked about this trade in the blog in one of my last articles. So with that, let's uh, put on our NBA 2K GM hats. We'll generate a little trade action here. So for this one, we're going to say the Miami Heat receive Mr. Kyle Lowry and the Raptors' 2023 second-round pick. The Raptors will receive Tyler Hero and Kelly Olenek oh, coming back their way. Hey, um, so hang on. Don't shut me down. Give me a second to explain this a little bit. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit more about it. So. So for starters, the money works. Like I said, Lowry's making that $30,500,000 for this season. Expiring contract, Kelly Olenek and Tyler Hero, between the two of them, make about just under $18 million combined. So in this situation, the Raptors will save some cash, which is not a bad deal. Uh, Hero still on a pretty low-paid contract. He's averaging about $3.8 million um, for the next couple years on that deal. Um, and so the Raptors save some cash. The Heat do have the flexibility to make this work. Uh, obviously, from the Heat perspective, it's a no-brainer. Um, Hero hasn't quite taken that step up this season they'd hoped for. And with Goran Dragic hurt, uh, 
Kyle Lowry steps in as a gigantic backcourt upgrade for that team. Lowry, Butler, Adebayo, with that as their core, that should be enough to get the Heat back on track this year and probably make them a contender again for the Eastern Conference. Uh, for the Raptors, it does a few things that are pretty beneficial. So it clears up our logjam at point guard. Like we talked about, Fred Van Vliet and Malachi Flynn become the point guards of the future for this squad. It frees up a space in the starting lineup for Norm Powell to stick with that starting role where he thrives. And obviously, like we mentioned, it moves Fred to that permanent you know, starting position as the number one point guard leading this team. The Raptors get a 21-year-old scorer with huge potential. Just 21 years old, he's only in his second year with the league. He's uh, you know, averaging almost 17 points a game this season. It didn't quite make the jump that we'd hoped uh, you know, after seeing him dominate in the bubble. He played very, very well in the bubble. Huge part of why the Heat made the finals last year. Uh, but, hey, that's still a solid, solid starting quality shooting guard who's just 21 years old and has a huge upside. You know, he could either challenge Powell for that starting spot at the two, or for me, he becomes one of the top six men in the NBA. Just bring that energy off the bench. Um, and obviously, they got some flexibility with their lineups like we talked about. If we stick with small ball, you know, it gives even more flexibility. But again, we'll just we'll call him you know one of the best six men in the league. You got coming back right there and a building block for the future. Kelly Olenek, kind of being thrown in on this deal. He is an upgrade at the five, uh, or more likely the backup five. He's younger than Baines. He's about 29 years old. He's a better shooter than Baines. He can shoot the three. He can stretch the floor. High energy guy. You know, he becomes most likely the backup five behind Chris Boucher or a situational starter when the small ball lineup doesn't make sense and you need a true big. He's a big, big boy. So bringing a Linux aboard also uh, means we can move on from Baines, which I think all of us would be pretty excited about. I like the guy. Seems like a cool dude, but he's been a huge disappointment this year. Um, as a guy we really hope to be the heir apparent to Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol in that starting five position. So with him being moved out of the rotation... Uh, we could move Alenic in, obviously, like I said, probably as a backup backup center to Boucher or situationally starting when you need an actual big man. And then we could take Aaron Baines, flip him to a squad who's hungry for a real big man, like let's say the Golden State Warriors, and we could get a second-round pick for, for Mr. Baines, save us some money on what is probably, you know, he's not getting paid a ton, but he's a pretty useless contract at this point because he has not been productive as a Raptor. So... There you go. We're able to flip Baines. We're getting our second round pick back. We're not really losing a whole lot out of this deal aside from obviously, you know, the legend that is Kyle Lowry. So in conclusion, you know, with this trade, we send Kyle Lowry to an Eastern Conference contender in beautiful warm weather city to ride out the remainder of his productive years. It's the next best thing we could do to keep him around and having him retire a Raptor. You know, he's going to get his jersey retired. There's going to be a statue. The guy's a freaking legend. Um, but for the sake of the Raptors' future, and for Kyle Lowry, that's a benefit as well. Uh, we'll create a far more balanced lineup here in Toronto. We add yet another young building block and Tyler Hero to join that core. We have a Van Vliet, Anunnabi, and Siakam. And, you know, just as exciting, we get rid of Aaron Baines. As again, he has been a gigantic disappointment for this squad. So breaking that down, comparing the W's to the L's in this deal, I'd say that's four W's. Uh to one gigantic L, obviously that L being that we're losing our greatest player ever in Kyle Lowry, um, you know, probably the greatest Raptor in our 26-year history. So I get that's going to be controversial. It's controversial in my own brain. I don't like to talk about losing Lowry, but I think it makes sense. And again, in this case, we're getting a 21-year-old shooting guard who's already scoring 17 points a game. He's got a ton of potential. He's only going to get better. 
and that was a hell of a building block to throw in with that core we already have Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananabi, Pascal Siakam, Norm Powell, he's only 28, uh, even Olenek, he's only 29, so all of a sudden you're looking at a core lineup here, um, don't forget about Chris Boucher, he's it seems like he's younger because he hasn't been around long in the NBA, but he's he's 28. So he got an entire core that's under 30 years old, all solid guys. Um, I think we'll just keep getting better from there. So, and in the short term, we're upgrading our front court. We're getting rid of Aaron Baines, who's been again a giant headache this year, huge disappointment for the guy we thought was going to replace Sergi Baca. Which, by the way, side note on that, uh, I posted on Twitter asking the question. Is letting Serge Ibaka walk the biggest mistake of the Masai Ujiri era? I think it is, personally. I can't really think of anything else that's been a worse deal than that. Ibaka walked for almost no money, and we paid Baines, you know, un <laughs> scarily close to what we probably could have got Ibaka back for. So just throw that in the comments if you agree, disagree, if you've got any thoughts for that. Um, but again, we're getting rid of Baines. We're getting an upgrade in Kelly Olenek on top of the fact we're getting in a uh, young building block in Tyler Hero. So... Hey, this is my first pod. Had to throw something controversial at you right there. Something to think about. Um, let me know your thoughts. You think that's a horrible idea? I know Hero's getting a ton of hate lately, especially with the uh, comments on Twitter about how the Heat probably could have been in the James Harden hunt, but it seemed like Pat Riley was unwilling to give up Hero in that deal, which seems pretty ridiculous, you know, given... I, th I saw one stat, which is pretty wild, that uh, Tyler Hero is famous for 137-point game whereas Harden has literally almost averaged 37 points for an entire season. So, Hero getting a lot of hate for that, but, you know, putting that aside, he's 21 years old, averaging 17 points a game. He's a rock-solid player, and he's going to be pretty damn good. So, again, let me know your thoughts. Agree, disagree, think I'm an idiot. Let me know. So, that's, that's all I got for my first episode here. I'm excited to get this pod rolling. Never really done anything like this before, so I appreciate you guys bearing with me and checking it out. I'll try to keep these coming at least once a week uh, as things come up. If anything crazy happens, especially with these trade conversations going on between Lowry, you know, the talks about Drummond possibly coming on board. If we get any exciting updates on that, I'm sure I'll jump on here and have some thoughts and uh, definitely be seeking your guys' feedback as well. So, hey, I can't thank you guys enough for checking it out. If you love the Raptors as much as I do, please throw me a like here. Hit that subscribe button. Again, I'm just getting started, so your support means the world. Hugely, hugely appreciated. Uh, if you want to do some light reading, you can check out my writing over at uh, drunkenmascot.com. Talk a ton of Raptors, but also switch it up a little bit. I talk some NFL, uh, talk some NBA, kind of whatever's happening in the news. You can look at some historical stuff. Had an article in there about Donovan McNabb. Had an article in there about Mark Jackson not long ago, so... If you want to do some light reading, check out some sports stuff, hit me up at uh, drunkenmascot.com. Um, so by the way, I'll also hear we switch up the intro-outro music each week. I'm just throwing that stuff together, so bear with me if you think it's cool. Awesome. I, I do some music. Uh, i got a project on YouTube called Trajan Black. It's definitely not good, but it's weird. Uh, so you know, if you partake in the sticky icky or the magical mushrooms, check it out. Uh, obviously, I don't condone drug use. This is a family podcast. But if you want to hear some weird music, look me up at Trajan Black on YouTube. Uh, can't thank you guys enough for the support. Again, I'm Pete, and this has been Episode 1 of the Drunken Mascot Raptors Podcast. Thanks again for joining me, guys. Much, much appreciated. Have a great day.